I know that you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? 10 Things I Hate About You is coming up next. All right, everybody, welcome into episode 10 of the Movie Goats podcast. And because it is episode 10, we are doing 10 things I hate about you. John here with Brady and Brian, as always. And we got a jam-packed episode, a movie that launched a few careers, a quattro of Pacino Switcherino potential uh cast members here and a lot more but first as always we got to check in with the guys brady how's it going kind of a busy weekend i was uh I, you know what i did this weekend i got a little beach time and i gotta say i'm a little uh people can't see me because it's a podcast but i don't have the tannis complexion i have come from irish and english descent so the sun and me don't get along too well, but I've been trying to get a little bronze. So, you know, living in Charleston, a lot of people have great tans. So I've been doing a little, uh, I think I've alluded before about my tanning regimen on the show before. And I uh, went out to the beach twice this weekend, two hours, no sun lotion. Wasn't planned. We just didn't have it on hand. Came out, met up with some people, saw the ladies. I said, hey, how bronze do I look? They said, you look like a ghost. So the regimen isn't working. We're going to have to redouble our efforts. I was told I need to use the fake bronzer. Don't know if I'll experiment there, but you know, that's where I'm at. That's that that's, but you know, that's why I'm a man. That's why I'm a man on the uh, behind the mic. That's why I'm not, you don't see my face. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Well, you need to get on Andrew Keegan's standing regimen. Cause he was looking like a bronze God in this one, Brian, what's up with you, my guy. How have you been late? Well, I was just going to say, Brady, I feel like you just insulted yourself. And instead of saying like, you know, the insult, a face for radio, now you're you're a face for podcasts, what you just said, which that's that's a tough, tough insult on yourself. You're better looking than that. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> uh, my weekend was good. Um, one of my friend's birthdays, so he wanted to play some golf and then hit hit a brewery, which we did. It was good. I'm a little frustrated because my golf game is coming back strong all of a sudden, but um, I didn't have my best game when I was out playing Pebble Beach. So a bit of a letdown there, but uh, that's okay. Um, it was funny. We went to a brewery on Saturday after after golf, and we we're having a pleasant time just kind of hanging out. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the the Herndon, Virginia bar crawl came through. And it was like all these college kids that were home from from school for the summer, and they're they were rolling like 60, 70 deep. And at that pleasant time we were having, I was like, "Wow, I'm uh, I'm overwhelmed right now by uh, by what's going on. I'm I'm way too old for this." Is kind of how I felt. So that was fun. And then on Sunday, uh, my wife and I, well, pretty much me for the most part, we we painted the nursery, and uh, I think it turned out really good. So. I feel like that's like one of those iconic moments when you're having a kid is like you paint the nursery. Like it's, it's one of the stepping stones and we did that on Sunday. So that was exciting. Yeah. You definitely, one of the stepping stones, you paint the nursery and eventually you get one of those pregnancy suits and make your kid walk around the living room in it before <laughs> they go out. I got to ask, was the 
the golf swing looking better or worse than Bogey Lowenstein's? Oh, I, I had this written down to discuss, but Bogey actually has a pretty good looking swing. I'm not gonna lie. I not a lot of power, maybe. I, I don't see a lot of swing speed in, in Bogey, but you know, he's got a nice he's he's finishing left, he's rotating pretty well. I think uh I guess that Bogey's probably like a like a nine or an eleven handicap, somewhere in that range. Brady. You see that scene where bro, bro bogey is uh hitting the golf balls down into uh the stadium there you know that this uh padua high school what they call it in the movie is actually called stadium high school it's a real school in tacoma washington what would you do what would you give to make that your high school experience go into a school like that if i went to a school that had a band play on top of the school i don't know how they got up there i assume it was a helicopter yeah maybe there's a there's a trap door up top but i'm gonna think it was a helicopter i that would be pretty cool Everyone's just hanging out. Everyone's got cool cars. There's, uh, I, I think maybe the the downfall of my high school was that there wasn't so clearly delineated clicks, and that your persona was exactly this. I feel like I, 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 maybe that was just me. Maybe I was lacking a persona. Maybe that was my problem. I should have leaned into something. I don't know. Like I could have been a guy that was really into Australia or something like that, and wear one of those Australia hats. I don't know what they're called, where the, you pin up the side. I come in and I like put another shrimp on the bobby, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I would have had a more interesting high school career. I mean, that was one of the things that I love is when Cameron's getting walked around the school and they're showing him the clicks and they're just so ridiculous. There's just these guys that are the cowboys and they're trying to lasso the, the trash bin. There's the, uh, the Rastas, the coffee guys who just wear the fedoras and drink coffee all day and do the little head bobbing. Like, incredible brian do you have any do you have any experience like that in uh up in northern virginia when you were going to high school uh no i mean honestly like i went to you were, a, you were in the future mbas well no i mean it's just funny yeah i was not um the funny thing about this high school like i mean it's unbelievable it looks like hogwarts it's right on the water the stadium is incredible it looks like the bowl at like oregon university i mean it's <laughs> It's really amazing. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, I, I went to public school for elementary and middle school. And, and I think almost every year when I was in elementary and middle school, I literally, I was in a trailer because our school was so fast growing. I couldn't keep up with the number of students. And I know this happens in a lot of places across the country, but I was like, man, these kids are literally at Hogwarts. And most of my public school life was, I was literally in a trailer. So big yeah. difference. Big difference there. Well, one person who definitely was not in a clique and definitely was not a um, eclectic hanging out with a bunch of people is my girl, Kat Stratford, Julia Stiles. We got to talk about Julia Stiles here. Um, I would have said after this performance that she was destined for multiple Oscars. Um, I just I thought she was electric in this moment multiple time about multiple oscars <laughs> multiple multiple at least supporting actress if not leading actress she was the heir apparent to meryl streep's career that's what you're saying i think she could do it all i mean you saw it she played pissed off she was uh played very emotional in the crying scene at the end she could do the comedy bit she uh she really had it all 
the dancing on the table at the party, my God, like she was really doing it all there. And, you know, she went to save the last dance. She did a little work in uh, the Bourne franchise, um, Silver Linings playbook. But Brady, give me your styles thoughts. It sounds like you're, you're mocking me over here. No, I mean, that's a, that's a hot take. Uh, <laughs> it's, it was the multiple Oscars. I mean, I, I think she turns in a, a very solid performance. Um, it, it is a pretty light comedy, uh, <laughs> but I will say this. I, I, maybe I'm, I, I'm showing my cards too early here. I, I think this is a very solid romantic comedy that instantly goes up to another strata when she does the poem at the end. The mm. poem is the movie. Without the poem, this is a movie I'd never give a second thought. The poem and her delivery of it is so good that it elevates this to something that really resonates for me. All right. I um one quick thing that I saw <laughs> in my with the, uh, all right. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I, I was taken away by Julia Stiles, but uh, you know, I could have said the same thing about Ledger. I would have said Ledger yeah. was, was 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 destined for greatness after this as well. That's what I was gonna ask. I mean, who you're saying you saw Meryl Streep and Julia Stiles after this performance, but did she have the best performance in the movie or was it Heath? I mean, Heath, you could have brought bought stock and been like, this guy's the next Brando. I mean, he, <laughs> he was he was just electric in this thing. More yeah. importantly, answer me this. I have to know because I was thinking it, you know, he shows up and he doesn't go full Australian accent. It's slightly there. I do wonder was he at the point in his career where he hadn't totally figured out the accent and they decided, Oh, we should probably put a line in there to explain the accent. It's kind of like when you watch Harry Styles in um, don't worry, darling, where like they try to explain it away and it just doesn't make any sense. I think it was thick enough that it was clear that they just said lean into it. Like, it wasn't intention. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering that. Cause like, cause they don't mention it for the first like 30, 40 minutes of the movie. And I'm like, <laughs> they finally do. They finally address it. They're like, is the accent real? And he's like, yeah, like I grew up in Australia until I was 12 or whatever. But I was thinking that too. Like, did they just say this guy's electric? Doesn't matter if he sounds like he's Australian. We'll write it in. Well, and again, now, now we're like, you, you guys went straight to ledger, but like, jgl my guy joseph gordon levitt i have actually i got it I'm, I'm going straight to that guy because i have actually a jgl anecdote uh back in my uh uh my marketing days uh i went to the content marketing conference in cleveland the annual conference keynote speaker the joseph gordon levitt before that uh, previous speakers, uh, Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner. I think the year directly ahead, Kevin Spacey. Uh, oh. He must not be named. <laughs> but I was lucky enough to get JGL because he has his whole uh, hit record Joe, which is basically everybody. That's like his Twitter persona. He created a whole thing where everybody cont contributes to a movie or a little short film. I don't know. It seems like a way. I don't know. Whatever, whatever it is, it was him and um, I can't remember the name of the guy. The, he, you'd recognize the the Nikwitz brothers. Mm. Do you do you remember? Do you know, that's not how it is, but like he's he's one of them. those. Those are the two right. keynote speakers, and I just thought it was funny that JGL just came out and just rocked the crowd. It was like thousands of people sitting in the auditorium, 
And I'm like, why is Joseph Gordon-Levitt coming out? The guy from 10 Things I Hate About You and like the, the Dark Knight Rises, Robin himself. <laughs> but, I mean, like, this guy, JGL, let's not sleep on his career either. I mean, he's he's great. Yeah, he's legit. He's great in Inception. He's gr- he's so good in the new, um, the Amazon show that aired last year, Super Pump, The Battle for Uber. He was phenomenal as the CEO of Uber in in that one. And I love him in, in The Night Before. And the one thing that I will say about this movie that I really liked, especially on the rewatch, was jgl more more so than any of them but they look like high schoolers they don't look like you know 28 year olds that are playing high schoolers these uh, jgl sure i don't know if i can get on board with heath ledger as a high schooler i i don't know i but thought styles ones... looks like a high schooler i thought she definitely yeah. looked, um yeah, I mean, I ledger 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 skipped a year he's 19 he's drinking beer in biker bars so i mean he's got to yeah. look a little bit older than everybody else yeah my take right. go, well, we'll oh, yeah, go. The, we can talk about the biker scene later i guess yeah so i'm actually gonna go the opposite way here i'm gonna zig where people zag and say that what makes this a great movie is not the star power it is the secondary characters are phenomenal everybody was cast perfectly i'm talking the best friend michael the guy showing him around the showing him around school he's phenomenal when the first time cameron shows up and he's like usually they give you some av nerd and he's like yeah thank god i'm not that and the guy's like hey michael where do you want me to put the projector (laughs) like he's phenomenal uh, joey donner is possibly one of the great characters of all time he's incredible um ledger's boy who i don't think he has a line the entire (laughs) movie the guy with the shaved head my favorite moment for him is when heath is smoking he lights a a cigarette on the bunsen burner and the guy just takes it out of his mouth and puts it out next to the dead frog and then i mean we're the dad the counselor, the teacher, the coach, like all these guys are money, not to mention Gabrielle Union as the best friend. Like, I don't know. For me, it was the supporting cast that really made this a home run. Yeah, all of it, all of it together. You guys are going to, should we have a JGL corner now that Brady brought it up real quick? Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. I was I was trying to deep dive to find who that other guy speaker was, but more importantly, I found the entire video from his keynote speech is online so i could go back and relive the 2017 <laughs> content marketing world speech from jgl that's amazing we might have to put some of that in the pot at the end for the the people who are really interested <laughs> i think it's uh his career is interesting i feel like this movie to me was a little bit like watching like when J- jgl's performance reminded me of like michael b jordan and the wire almost i know that's really strange but he just felt like very young to me I don't know I kind of feel like maybe his acting chops were not fully there yet but I kind of liked it like because he is playing this like nervous high schooler um but I think he's a terrific actor now and you know like his his role in Dark Knight I think is incredible what I've never understood is his, his career it felt like he was one of the hottest names in Hollywood and like during the Dark Knight era 
uh, and like up to like Don Juan. And it seemed like after Don Juan came out, that's kind of when things kind of, you know, just slowed down for JGL. Don um, John. Or Don John, whatever it was called. Sorry. Um, my girls, was, my porn, if you guys remember the, the trailer, there's only things yeah. I care about in my life. My girls, the gym, my boys, the boy porn. <laughs> Overall, pretty strange movie. Actually, another JGL that I absolutely love is uh, the 50-50 movie with uh, Seth Rogen. That's a Sneaky great good movie. Sneaky yeah, good movie. and his performance in that is outstanding. Like I never understood. I just feel like at, he got a little bit older. Like He did 50-50, he, he did that uh, Looper movie with Bruce Willis. He did Looper because well, he hooked up with he did Brick with Ryan Johnson, like young, and that's one of his Ryan Johnson's best movies that got him into Looper because he was in his movies for a while. But I mean, he has, and then he's then he hooks up with Nolan for a little bit. He has a lot of really good movies. The Walk was kind of his downfall. Uh, the Zemeckis, uh, the guy, the guy has to walk a tightrope between the World Trade Centers. Um, oh yeah the documentary was a lot better yeah he, he puts on the french accent he's like oh, oh, oh i'm joseph gordon oh and that is a subtle <laughs> in, 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 interpretation of that performance well it just feels like i guess things have just slowed down for him a little bit and i'm just surprised by it because like what i guess brady maybe you know this i don't is there a reason why he has not gotten like a robin movie because well, that was clearly what it felt like was going on there. Or I don't was... think that's what their intention was. I mean, he was in the trial of Chicago Seven. I think with the the Robin thing was just I, Nolan was walking away at that point. He they had no intention of making any movies after that. Um, and uh, we, yeah, we won't go into the Zack Snyder rabbit hole of Man of Steel and all that. Obviously, the the DC spun off into its own world. But um, I feel like you no, know, he just maybe. I mean, yeah, he wasn't. He's picked like like he played Snowden and Oliver Stone Snowden, which didn't really work. But it's not like the worst movie you've ever seen. I don't know. He, I mean, he was in the Trial of Chicago Seven, which is nominated for Best Picture, right? Like relatively recently. Yeah. Um, I think he just like this guy is one of the biggest stars. Like period. Like it felt like know, well, does he ever a star? Did he ever have star power though? I don't know if he ever did. I don't know if he. I think he one. He really did focusing on that hit record Joe thing that like became his thing for like a really long time. Um, and I think maybe his focus shifted a little bit to that, but cause he doesn't pick leading roles necessarily uh, in, in recent time. That's true. But like, I'm looking at like his movies coming up. It's Beverly Hills cop, Axel Foley. So I guess that's going to be like Beverly Hill, Hills cop four. Um, so he's got a role in that, but again, he's obviously not going to be the lead. Um, I wouldn't say it's as drastic as a, uh as justin long but i think about justin long's career like he and jgl were blowing up i feel like at the same time and then they both kind of like never like for whatever reason and it uh but like even like he was in lincoln with spielberg so he like he picks movies and works with really good directors i think actually he's respect to him he doesn't have to be the lead he chooses better projects i think he's had enough success that he's like i'm going to work with interesting people and on good projects versus i mean don john is his do you know, no, this is, that's his sole directorial de- debut. Oh, he wrote God. and directed that movie. <laughs> He's like, I have something to say about this topic. Oh, <laughs> a passion right. project. Well, we got to get there. Speaking of weird careers, coming out of this, I thought Larissa Olenek was going to have the juice. Obviously, Bianca Stratford. Interestingly enough, again, in some research that I did, uh, she was actually the alternative one. She was like listening to punk rock. 
she was wearing all black she wanted to play uh the cat role and they just thought no it's not gonna work and i thought she was really really good as bianca i would have not gone as far as to say multiple oscars but a serviceable career and she fell off the deep end what do you guys think happened there did you think she was uh decent in this film I I first off, I just realized I clicked on her. Do you guys remember The Secret World of Alex Mack on Nickelodeon? No. Yeah, I I vaguely. That was the movie where, that was the TV show where she would turn into a a silver puddle. That was her superpower. (laughs) (laughs) That was, was so I didn't realize that was her. Big fan of that show growing up. Um, I think she just didn't have, um, you know, it's a a lot of it, a little bit of his luck, you know, getting those right roles and versatilities. Who's to say? I mean, looking at her, she had a small role in Mad Men. Um, yeah, just, you never know with these things. Like, you know, maybe she had a bad agent, you know. It could not it could be past her capabilities. I don't know. I, I wasn't necessarily, like, watching her thinking she's going to be a breakout star in it. But I think she does a really great job playing, um, you know, that sister role. Yeah, it's, she's, like, she does it very well. She you like her in the movie even though she says so many cringy things especially in the beginning and the way that she refers to her dad as daddy it's like just like it's like oh my goodness this is so cringe but you're rooting for her by the end of the movie for sure and and i I think her performance is very good i think yeah it looks like she's had a pretty robust tv acting role so she's had a pretty like you know she's always had work which is good I just think, yeah, maybe she didn't have that movie spark or, you know, it could just be her representation. You never know. John, on the flip side, Julia Stiles wanted to play the role of Bianca. It just wouldn't have worked. It yeah. would just wouldn't have worked. She's perfect. Like, I, I don't see her playing that giddy person. I see her playing that, quote, heinous bitch um that the, that the counselor calls her. Like, she's she's incredible. Like, I, I, yeah, she's got to be kicking people in the balls and, and doing things like that. Uh, she she was so good in that niche role. Um, speaking of the counselor. Yes. Do you guys want to get into a little Pacino switcherino talk? That's exactly where I was going. The Al Pacino switcherino. Wait, wait. You're not That's... switching Alice and Janie out as the counselor, are well, you? To, to explain to people what the Al Pacino switcherino is, is that Every movie we pick, we have to we 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 don't say we're throwing out this this version of the movie, but if Al Pacino in the year this movie came out would have been cast in which role, which movie, which role would we like to see him play? This and you're the, saying you're coming in, Allison Janie Hot? No, no, I'm not. I I was going I have I have four nominees because I didn't know what what you guys were gonna do. So I have four, and that is I have a strong I opinion. I have a very strong opinion on this. So neither of you picked the counselor, correct? I 100% picked the counselor. That's what that's the, there's not even a question. <laughs> it was either JGL or the counselor for me. I mean, <laughs> but like, no, like literally, because think about it. Allison Janie, she gives it, she's great. She's fantastic in the movie. She's always, she, she's always good. She's a very reliable uh, actress. But like, if you put in Pacino, same exact lines of dialogue, and you just saw 1999 Pacino with uh, dyed dark hair, just straight up 
clearly maybe there's he's been doing some chipping some blow in the back and you have him writing erotic fiction while, while working as a guidance counselor like oh ah. <laughs> it, it was engorged like <laughs> i think that i i had this on the short list because of that just because like the thing she says is so outrageous to say to high schoolers um you know when heath ledger's like I didn't expose myself. It was a bratwurst. And she's like, quite the optimist, aren't we? Or like, <laughs> can you imagine Pacino being like, his testicle retrieval surgery actually went very well, just so you know. <laughs> but like the only choice. I, I I'm sh- I'm 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 excited to see what the other options could possibly be. I I I didn't even have, this this was the easiest one we ever had for me. Are you, are you calling him Mr. Perky? hundred percent. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Perky is now Mr. Mr. Perky. <laughs> Mr. Perky Al Pacino. <laughs> like right. It works. Who do, have, who do you have? Well, first of all, I got like that's hilarious. I'm glad that you guys both had that thought. I didn't even think of it because Alza Janie, I think, is such a great actress. I don't know if you guys have ever seen I Tanya, the Tanya Harding yeah. story with Margot Robbie. She is so good in that movie. I think she won Best Supporting Actress as she deserved it too. So, anyways. Um I guess I wasn't thinking as like as I, I, big picture as you guys. I, I only wrote down a couple. I, I had the the coach. The yeah, who, I, the, I mean, he, seeing Pacino get shot in the ass by the uh, <laughs> by the arrow during archery that would have just been so funny to me because he. I feel like he would have overreacted that scene so well. It just would have been amazing. And then, uh, I mean, I think he could have been the dad for sure too. Yeah, to my elbows and placenta, like just like I could definitely yeah. see the cheeto doing that. Exactly. I so those were both both also on the short list. With um, also shout out that coach also gets a a four four iron from Bogey Lowenston in the in the head in one of the scenes. He just <laughs> the coach is getting abused all over the place, but um, I could see that for sure. The one that I had that was a little out there was the teacher, the English teacher. Uh, I could see Pacino just yelling at uh, Joey Donner being like, unless you kick the shit out of your dumb butt, no one wants to hear about it. (laughs) I I think, you know, know, the funny thing about the teacher for me is that that's the one casting where I realized that like, he's clearly like the same age as all the students. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) oh, this is when I realized, I think maybe these people aren't aren't, like high school age. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's awesome at it. He is. And that was what was tough was I thought everyone was so good in their role, but obviously Pacino just brings a different gravitas to any role. So I thought this was actually the most fun that we've had in the four or five episodes that we've done the Al Pacino switcherino, just to think about him in those, for me, the counselor, the dad, the teacher, and the coach, all four roles. I think he would have, he would have killed in. Brady said uh, JGL too. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah, definitely shout out if he's if he's learning French for for a date, you know that uh, Pacino's getting the move on. I think it could play. Be like one of those like never been kissed. He's going undercover, but like you never explain in the movie. Like who's this grown man who's pretending to be a child? (laughs) All right. Well, with that said, does anybody have any of the secondary characters that they do want to touch on? I mean. Is there ever been a better high school douchebag than Joey Donner? I really, so I, he's a, he, 
has one of those faces, Andrew Keegan, that where I was like, oh, I remember I used to see him so much. Whatever happened to him? And obviously, like I look it up, he's a seventh heaven guy. Obviously, as a kid, I'm watching that seventh heaven reruns so much. Um, and then like I look up his Wikipedia page, and they're like, oh, he he maybe started a cult <laughs> and was the leader <laughs> and out of Venice, Los Angeles. Who Andrew Keegan did? Yeah, it was called the Full Circle. Um, the Full Circle. Yeah, just called the Full Circle. Um, and they uh. A non-denominational spiritual community center where people of all beliefs and backgrounds come together to meditate, practice yoga, engage artistically. But uh, maybe some things got out of hand. <laughs> That's what it seemed. From this is some basic. Not, not not. I'm not saying any of this is necessarily definitely true. This is what some brief reading up on. I was like, why? Well, I was like, this guy's like, he's like clearly very handsome. He he's like great playing like a like you know douchebag. Uh, whatever happened there? And I think his uh. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what happened there. I I mean, I thought he was phenomenal. The, the the three things that really stand out to me are when he rolls up to Ledger to to propose this whole thing. It's in gym class, and he's just wearing the tearaway pants and a wife beater. Like he doesn't have any kind of shirt on or anything. Uh then of course when he's showing Bianca his headshots. And he's got the one where he's wearing the white shirt, one in the black shirt. And she's like, the one in the white's more pensive. And he's like, I mean, I was going for thoughtful, but yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the swimwear versus the underwear pose at the party. And she's not interested. And he just finds a group of people. He's like, all right, I'll show you guys. And then he <laughs> like starts doing it again. He's electric, man. I love that guy. He's He's like one of my favorite characters ever. I think my the most underrated part about Joey Donner is that he's blasting Casey and Jojo when he's driving his car around. It's so like every time he drives around, he's like, baby, 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 baby. It's the Casey and Jojo, the beginning of all my life. And it makes me so happy. It was funny. Yeah. I'm, now that you look at it, there's a lot of people in this movie that you would have thought had like robust careers after, including the director, Gil Junger. Or is it younger or Junger? I know it's got to be younger. I bet that's a silent J. I was I was assuming Silent J, but I, but there was no little uh, on the Wikipedia. There's no pronunciation uh, box, so I was like, maybe I'm just supposed to go with Junger. Um, well, his next movie is the Dark or the Black Knight. <laughs> Black Knight. I with, love that movie. Black Martin Knight Martin. plays then like an, an unknown if only, and then he hits us with ten things I hate about life. The canceled 2010 unofficial sequel, I guess. Starring Evan Rachel Wood, and it just did. You guys watch the 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 trailer that they made to try to like get more funding for it? I no. I did. Six sizzle reel. It has no connect. Basically, they're like, we're just gonna take the title. It's not based on Shakespeare like this movie's based on Shakespeare. Uh, the movie just got stopped filming in the middle of it. Totally fascinating wikipedia page definitely worth watching the trailer because it looks like a real movie they just filmed the first 45 minutes and then they ran out of money and they wouldn't pay evan rachel wood then she got pregnant so then she wouldn't return because they wouldn't pay her you know obviously people disagree they 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 claim that she just never came back to work but after that that seems to like kind of like end his career and yeah. then he did think like a dog that's his last movie which surprise like you know credit to him got 70 percent on, on rotten tomatoes movie about uh 
like a lot of the uh, the eyes of a dog, you know, like seeing life through a dog starring this was Megan his Fox. first movie, right? He was doing TV before this. This is his first movie. He did some TV movies. No, okay. sorry. His first TV movie was 1999. So who knows which one? Um, yeah, he did do some television work beforehand. Um, but you would think that like this movie was successful enough and he's like, you know, capable of just like cranking out comedies. Back then they were cranking out comedies by like, you know, all the time. Now nowadays they don't make comedies, but back then they did. Um, I don't know if he was difficult to work with or he just had some bad breaks, which very clearly he ran into some bad breaks. <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, clearly, John, you love this movie. A lot of it is like the the pacing and the direction. Obviously, like the so, this is all about tone. This movie's entire movie is about landing a very precise tone that they clearly pull off. I mean, it it is. And there's so many things that you gotta kind of watch a couple different times to pick up on. There's a lot of physical comedy in this that he yeah. sneaks in. Whether it be the coaches, the or the coach, you know, getting hit by the golf ball, then the coach getting hit in the in the butt with the arrow, or when, um, you know, Michael is on the motorbike and he just gives the "stay cool, bro," and then like <laughs> goes off the edge. And I don't know if you could pick this up, but on the voice, he's like, "Oh my balls!" <laughs> he, like he's on it, falling over. Like, there's a lot of really good hitting comedy in this that I think is elevated on like a second or third watch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously I think the pacing's phenomenal. I really think uh, the jokes work in, in the music, everything about it. I thought he made a lot of really good decisions. Um, and obviously also, is it, is it a sin that we haven't brought up David Krumholtz? It Well, yeah. I mean, I, I said at the beginning that I thought he was phenomenal, but, but go for it. Give me, give me your thoughts on this guy. This is a guy where one, he's like always looked the same age for like people talk about Keanu doesn't age. Krumholtz has been looking the same age from this movie through all of the Santa Claus movies. Apparently, yeah, he's in Harold and Kumar. Didn't even, you, but he has more versatility because like you'd think he always plays nerd, but he's like a Harold and Kumar kind of playing, you know, that kind of role. I always think he's a delight whenever you see him in a movie you're always <laughs> like you, you might not know his name off the top of your head like david crumholtz but you're like this guy is just like he's like yeah he's just he's a reliable guy he's like a great buddy you see him and you're like ah, i like him in this movie he's an oppenheimer yeah that's what i'm saying you just love him you love to see him on screen you love to see the success for him wow good for him I totally yeah. didn't make the connection that he was the elf in uh, the Santa Claus movies, which is epic because he's incredible in those movies. Yeah, he's in. I do want to say I think it's we often focus on the directors. I think the screenwriters for this movie deserve a lot of credit because I think you know you're making like a Shakespeare adaptation. I think the writing is really smart. It's much smarter than your average teen comedy for sure. And you look at at their careers. Um, oh, I was just looking at it now. I'm looking at David Crumholtz. Kirsten Smith and Karen McCullough. Um, they went on, I guess, to write Legally Blonde. She's all that. And so I think they they had a good career after that. I feel like um, their talent was on display in 10 Things I Hate About You for sure. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, why when I saw that the sequel and that the, they, they didn't write the screenplay, I'm like, then what's the point? Like, they're, they're as much of a key ingredient as anyone else in this, if not, like, you know, one of the most important ones. The, yeah. the dialogue, just the things that they came up with, you know, we already touched on 
with the counselor when she's talking to cat and then she's holding up a mug that has a cat and she's like cat <laughs> like that kind of stuff just those those lines are hilarious or writing in you know that the the coach is clearly like gonna smoke weed and eat that kid's cheetos when he takes the, the weed and the cheetos in detention like little <laughs> details like that they're so smart um and they did they did put a little bit of shakespeare in this when you know cameron sees the girl and he's like i pine i perish things like that uh yeah. and this so dude, the dialogue is incredible when heath ledger says why do you guys want me to like date this cat girl so bad uh, like or there you know, he was saying uh why are you so obsessed with bianca does she have beer flavored nipples or something yes <laughs> just like that's like i don't know just not a line you hear in any movie ever but it's also pretty funny to, to say something like that and i feel like it's something that like a 19 year old which heath ledger is supposed to be playing like might say yeah like, like that kind of guy but back to the shakespeare thing this was in the run of like the late 90s early 2000s where they were making either shakespeare adaptations or uh just straight up the romeo and juliet that had claire danes and and leo in it uh, of course, we had Shakespeare in Love. Shout out to Robert Bonner, listener, for his favorite movie of all time, O, which is a play on Othello. Which do you guys think did the best job? That's, that, that's a You can't just ask me that. What's the best Shakespeare adaptation of the 90s? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 off the top of my head, I, I'd have to do some, some soul searching, some deep diving. <laughs> um honestly my answer is my own private idaho now that I actually did say that uh that was a consideration for the potential um uh double feature but i opted to go with a comedy instead so actually i can't answer that question it is my own private idaho i think that's my favorite gus van sant movie yeah over goodwill hunting um but it's uh river phoenix uh at his peak with keanu little uh, adaptation of uh, the Falstaff uh, stories. Um, definitely worth checking out. Uh, but it's a different, but, but it's like this, where it's like, doesn't say, it's like they, they slip in the dialogue, you know, here and there. And they're like, you know, doing different things. But it's like, but it, I, I what I like about it in this is that like, you know, obviously it's clear they're doing Taming of the Shrew and whatnot. I, I, I act like I know, I've read the Taming of the Shrew. I have not read the Taming of the Shrew. But like you clearly know they're doing Shakespeare, but they do it in a way that doesn't feel like they're hitting you over the head. You know, it's like when they slip in the dialogue, it plays. And I think this maybe elevates itself over some of the lesser ones. I'm not going to say, oh, is a lesser one. Oh, oh, is great for what it is. <laughs> but but like, you know, I, I, I do like that they're they're tongue in cheek about it and they're having fun with it. I think that's the key if you're going to do so, especially I mean, they are adapting a comedy, which helps. Um, but they and, and they modernize it because you you read about it and apparently taming of the shoe has been like studied for you know hundreds of years as being a little antiquated it was probably controversial when it came out at the time for being sexist which is kind of wild even like the 1500s they're like this play kind of stinks and these you know these women took the screenplay and they they kind of reframed it and made it into a more modern you know empowering kind of thing which is kind of cool yeah and um shout out as always to T Pat, research correspondent, Professor T Pat, he uh he came through as he does with some research. And one of the female um reviewers that he he sent us, 
applauded the fact that these are pretty progressive female characters. They're strong female characters. And uh, that's not something that you might ever see in a, a true Shakespeare uh, actual work. And so this, this uh, retelling of the story kind of gave it a little bit more backbone to the the characters you see that at the end when bianca kicks the shit out of uh joey donner but without further ado do you guys want to get into it there's really you know it's a tight 90 with not a ton of plot but uh should we should we start let's do it oh, okay let's do it. <laughs> yeah so they they, they uh the, the the setup is simple it's the, it goes back to the shakespeare we have two daughters with the domineering father. Um, one of them wants to date. She's excited to date and get into it. The other has zero interest in men, and she doesn't want to date. And the father, in his genius wisdom, says, you can only date if your sister dates. Enter JGL, <laughs> man about town, <laughs> coming the new kid in school. <laughs> He gets that. That's what we're talking. We already touched about how all the different clicks. We get the the great little sweeping intro of all the different clicks because he's getting the little uh, the Crumholtz uh, tour of the school, and that's where he meets uh, Bianca Stratford. Again, they do a great job with all the characters' names. Like like Heath Ledger's came his last name is Verona because Romeo and Juliet. The town is uh, Stratford. Um, I think that's the town Shakespeare was from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Right, Shepherd upon Avon. Um, cut that out if I'm wrong. But uh, so, but they they have that great. But but basically, JGL has this dilemma. He needs to convince Julia Stiles, Cat Stratford, to date. Um, and the only one who could possibly convince her to date, so that he can date Bianca, is Heath Ledger, the bad boy of the school, the Australian of the school. I think we didn't even really talk about Heath Ledger uh, enough. You, so when you, you're saying you guys thought is he? You guys really think he's like bounced off the screen electric when you saw this? Like you see this guy playing the Joker in the future. You're seeing Oscars broke back all the big things that he's going to do in the future. How could you not? I feel like he he wins the movie. Like I mean, the performance in the football stadium is so endearing and so iconic probably i mean it's one of the greatest moments in like a a high school teen comedy ever um it like you see that it's it's probably the most rewatchable scene in the whole movie it's so fun he's just so he's got so much charisma and he's got this look about him that's just like he's a good looking dude but he's just like unique and his hair is incredible in this movie like i think that he absolutely and apparently like I guess on set, he was like an absolute joy to work with. Everybody loved him. Like I, he, you could just, he had this aura about him. I'm, I'm a big Heath guy. Rest in peace. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to agree with everything Brian said. And then there's those, those moments where he's talking to Keegan when uh, Keegan's going to pay him. And, you know, he's, he's got the toothpick in and he smiles at him because he knows that he's screwing him over, but he, he, you know, he has the upper hand or when he's, at uh the club and he's just messing with cat stratford to 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 you know kind of get under her skin but also she's falling for him the audience is like falling for the guy at the same time yeah. like you're completely buying everything that he is saying you see that moment when like 
I thought about this. Well, I thought about this every time I watched the movie, but the first kiss that uh, Patrick and Kat have, they're at the paintball thing. They're both disgusting. They're in the hay. But like she delicately takes off her goggles. He takes them off, puts them on his head and then throws them like a thousand feet up in the air. This guy was just charisma in a ball. Like, oh my man, he's lightning in a bottle. I I knew he was special. Yeah, agreed. I think what's funny, we talked about Gil Younger earlier. Um, I feel like some of the, so a couple of things about this high school and I just feel like this high school feels like it's being run by the students. It's not being run by the teachers. Like you've got him lighting up cigs on the Bunsen burner. You've got Bogey Lowenstein just ripping four irons into girls soccer practice you got dudes like in the parking lot, just like accidentally flying off into the stadium on their dirt bike. And there's like, there's like two teachers that you see. There's three characters in the movie. It's the English teacher. It's the guidance counselor and it's the coach. And like, that's all you see. And it just feels like it is being run by the students, which I think is so funny. Um, But also like throughout this movie, it feels like this is a little bit of like Gil Younger's high school experience where it was normal for, like a 19 year old or an 18 year old high schooler to like go to the biker bar. And like, it's normal for like cat, cat Strafford to go to this like Seattle, Washington punk rock, like girls bar thing. The, what was it called? The skunk or something. That yeah, place was, Club skunk. Club skunk. The place looked awesome. But like, it was just funny. Like it's not really like a realistic high school experience i don't think at all but it also is like an amazing one it's almost like through the lens of somebody who's older where maybe these like things may have happened way back in the day but it also feels like it's like a movie that's like run by the kids and like the adults really don't matter the dad is the only prominent character everybody else is there more so for kind of laughs i would say yeah and i mean you see that again where it's like the inmates running the asylum if you will uh when they they Photoshop the flyer for Bogey's party, throw it that first off, that's an incredible shot, Brady. I know that you're oh, yeah. a technical guy, but when they throw the flyers up and they have the, the shot of the stairwell, them all flying down. And then these people just roll up to the party. Everyone there's like kegs. People are bringing like DJ gear to set up. No one who's rolling around with that in high school. Like these kids, there's no rules. It's just awesome yeah i i do have a an observation you're talking about like how it's like it has that little throwback feel you know maybe the director back when he was 18 you could drink so like that's what he's thinking about there's something very much 1999 and i feel like this had to be a moment that we don't have anymore where they have the the click that's the white rastafarians the white guys pretending to be jamaican that very clearly had to be a type of person that was around at the time because i can't imagine that they're just pulling that out of the wind i feel like those people were probably so shamed by this movie that they're like, all right, we're putting, we can't do it anymore. This movie just put us in our place. It's over. We're done for. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some aspects that don't age well at all. I mean, but I think they're, they're lambasting those people. So it's. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. They're kind of, yeah. Like the teachers like don't even get me started on you guys, but yeah, like they're, they're, they're clearly the butt of the joke, which is that that puts a little bit. You know, there was that. some dialogue. Cause like I've watched it on TV so many times. And then when I watched it this time, I rented it and I, there was some dialogue that I was like, Oh, that, that is definitely written in 1999 and not written today. Like there's too many PMS jokes and 
jokes about like handicapped people. Like it's like there's a little bit of that, but um, yeah, it's ninety nine. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> were, we were the country was so young. We were so naive in ninety nine of things to come. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Bianca's literally watching the real world. Yeah, which is sick. Real that world, was sick. Seattle too. That was really cool because that because you were like, whenever you see these as like the biggest East Coast or never really like you know I've been the a little bit to the West Coast, but like when you see like depictions of like these these high schools and West Coast, like especially any any like TV show where they have like lockers outside, and I'm like, this is insane. What is this incredible like wonder wonderland that these that these kids live in? And then you see like this movie where there's like just an incredible Seattle scapes, like the water, and they're like, uh, uh, it just gets me going because I'm like, they just maybe maybe that's the way it is in the West Coast. That's the way an East Coaster. Like I'll, that's the funny thing about the movie is that I actually made that comment when I was watching it. Uh, they, the, she's like, I really want to go to Sarah, say, uh, Sarah Lawrence on the East coast. And just like the notion that like a West coaster is like, I got to go to the East coast. <laughs> that's, so, that's so sick. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I never like, to be fair, I've never been like, I need to make it out to the West coast, but I just love the idea that someone from the West coast is like, Oh, they got to figure it out over there. You know, they, they get to watch the TV shows earlier, three hours earlier. on like, East coast <laughs> But like so, yeah. I mean, we basically kind of covered, jumped to all the rand, all the all the major plot points. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that there's something brilliant in the fact that they're like, okay, well, we cannot get Patrick to date Cat on our own, so we need Joey. Well, yeah. it's like kind of like an elaborate plot. It is in the sense, like like a ruse. Like we can't just like. There's no way the only person that could get Cat Stratford is Patrick Verona. Which is kind of outrageous because like he's like the craziest guy in the school, all these legends about him. And like the only way that we, we can pull this off is if we can tell Joey Donner that Bianca can date if she if Patrick Verona woos her. And the only reason we're doing that is that Joey Donner has money so he can bribe Patrick Verona to ask her out on dates. And also <laughs> The amount of money, even for 1999, was not a lot. It was like he started. At oh, like, it goes up though. They go up to the. Yeah, you don't remember high school, dude? Like starts, ten bucks was a hassle. It was thirty get. bucks, man. And then he's like, "Okay, well, how about fifty? Because it's gonna cost money to go to the movies and get our popcorn." But no, I'm not gonna nitpick this movie too much. There are definitely some. No, I didn't. Nit- I I like that because I thought that was realistic in what high school. The, uh... Like a hundred bucks is the world. That's like I don't. Maybe you were living the fat cat. You had some sick high school job where you're just rolling in it. Lifeguard well, I... money wasn't going far, dude. I don't know. I just feel like this kid's driving around a Corvette and like that uh... is true. Yes, <laughs> sick car. But Patrick, but like you, he does have a sick car, but like you don't have, uh, roll man. I don't know. I mean, it was tough. You're like trying to get some beer money in high school. Like, oh, I know. Like, well, that's what know? I'm saying. What was the final price to get her to prom? 300? That's like a, yeah, no, that's a, that's a date in college. I was like, that would have, that would have been like, yeah. uh, a that's all. That's also hard earned money from doing hemorrhoid ads. Hemorrhoid. Yeah, he's, a, he, he's earning that money. But he had a bet going on too that he was just for, to... no no money involved though just yeah. he said he was gonna do it because he likes it he's such uh, a sleaze yeah I mean that's why and even like the the the, the, the kind of like almost from another movie twist that where the movie kids kind of real for a moment where you find out the reason Julia Stiles doesn't like to date or Cat Strafford doesn't like to date is because she hooked up with. 
um, Joey Donner freshman year. She didn't enjoy the experience. And that's like, you know, it's pretty heavy. And I, it is interesting. She's like, I wanted you to find out on your own that he was a bad guy. Almost. We almost want to be like, don't leave it up to her on that. This guy, Joey Donner's a sleaze. You don't want to leave it up to chance. <laughs> this guy is nuts. He's, he's dropping 300 well, bucks. That it was very well written though, because it yeah. wasn't like that simple of a conversation. Cause she, she was like, more upset that she didn't tell her that but not to protect her she was like i don't need your protection yeah was- no no it was a really well written scene it's well really well acted it's just it, it, it's a really interesting swing because it does feel like and i think that's a credit to the movie that they're able to have a more serious moment like that and it doesn't take you out of the movie per se it's like oh wow that's a lot and it also shows his character in another light where you're like uh like this guy is really tough and then, then i'm like well, what grade are they in what so they're seniors right so so joey cat and and patrick are seniors bianca is a sophomore and cameron is a junior and what's jgl is jgl a freshman he's a junior junior junior. he's a junior yeah because he can go to prom it all works out like perfectly i think why why did you say so juniors and seniors can go to prom when i was coming up it was seniors only no, no juniors, juniors and seniors. Was it juniors? I feel yeah. like for us it was seniors only. I think I feel like the, for the most part, it's usually juniors and seniors that go to prom. So I think that they played it well with him there. It's literally called senior prom. I mean, some places. I just I thought it was pretty well known that it was juniors and seniors. Yeah, my high school is junior and senior. Um, but, but anyway, uh Maybe maybe I didn't get maybe I didn't go to the prom junior year. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe that's why I don't remember. <laughs> but because yeah, the the big thing was that uh, that Bianca was going to be the only the sophomore there until Gabby Union gets the the invite. And I mean, that's just Joey Donner. What a character shows up with the white tux, ready to go to get uh bianca for prom dad just shuts the door and he immediately just drives to her best friend's house and it's like hey put on a dress we're going to prom <laughs> but like that, that when you think about him he's nuts like he's already been with her sister he's like that that elevates him to like a true villain he's just yeah. like i mean he's already been a true villain and I he guess. antagonizes cat at every turn yeah, he's mean. He's mean. He's he he's a uh, he he bullies her a little bit and um in class obviously, but then she kind of brings it back at him, so she stands up for herself, puts him in his place a few times. I mean, but you have to. I mean, villain villainy aside, you have to shoot me straight. Who wins the hair off, Andrew Keegan or Heath Ledger? Who has the best hair of the movie? I think it's Keegan. Although Heath's is so unique, you got to give him points for like it's its own thing. Some scenes it works better than others. Some scenes I'm like, just run your hands through it a few times. <laughs> it's it's almost like a perm. It's like very curly. A lot of juice in there. There's a lot of juice. It's what he's using yeah. the wet product. Heath has the. I mean, Heath's hair is is great, but Keegan's is immaculate. Like just for the look he's going for, but don't sleep on Levitt. Like he's got some decent. Yeah. He's got the little mid. He's got the part drapes. Going. He's got the middle part drapes. I love the, that. The mid part. Also, the classic cat's, cat's hair is super long. It's kind of. It's kind of good too. Oh yeah. How long after the uh, 
the paint fight, do you think it took Patrick and Kat to get the the paint out of their hair? I mean, that's some that's some deep curls that's getting caught in. Does that does that look like fun to you guys? Um, yeah, I, I shook it's my head. Yeah, it's, I think it's fun. It's like, it feels ridiculous, right? Like, who would do that? Get all messy, but at the same time, I'm like, that scene is so iconic. Like, oh it's, yeah, it's, it's so perfectly shot, and it's so like it's romantic. It's it's so well done, and it's I don't know. It's really, it's like it doesn't feel like it belongs on this planet. Like, like there's no place that you just paint people. Like paintball, you shoot with guns. Yeah, like, like I don't know what this is, but I love it. The my big note from this scene was for an Australian or just non-American in general, Heath Ledger has a really good throwing motion. Um, I don't know if you see some some Brits try to throw things, most notably Daniel Radcliffe in the final Harry Potter when he throws the wand off the roof. He's you can just tell he's never held a, a ball of any sort that you throw overhand. So Ledger throwing those he, he, balloons. He he, he's catching snitches, dude. He's been catching snitches for years at that point. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously he's not throwing anything. No one. He never played. He never played catch with his uh, uncle in the driveway. But uh, Ledger, great arm, really good form. Is it, cricket's isn't cricket pretty big in Australia? But do you go underhand? I guess the fielders go overhand. Yeah. Okay. You're you're right. I'm here. So I'm like maybe, looking at the stats. What do you guys? Th- so we're talking Ledger. The uh, the other possibilities were Josh Hartnett or Ashton Kutcher. No. Do they have the risk? I think Hartnett at this time, he's in the pocket. Like version suicide Hartnett, Hartnett, he's really good. But I think Ledger's bringing a lot to it. I, I think, think Ashton Kutcher is a hard pass for me. I don't think that works at all. Dude, that 70s show era Kutcher kind of had the riz, though. He <laughs> did. He did, but he didn't have the dark, mysterious. He can't play. You'd never be scared of Kutcher. He would be too broad at this point in his career. He would, uh, yeah, it would be a little bit, it would be a different movie. But you know, it's funny. Like, I know you're really big on the styles. Um, for Kat, they have Eliza Dushku, which she was like the queen of this era. Um, Katie Holmes. Now, Kate Hudson, she was offered the part. This is Kate Hudson, almost famous era, literally almost famous era. Goldie Hawn, her mother, didn't like the script, so she told her to pass on the role. That's I tough, think Kate I Hudson really, would have like been really Holmes. good. Katie Holmes would have been good, too. And, uh, you know, shout out that the dad even says, I know what goes on with those Dawson's River kids, so that would have been fun to have Katie Holmes in there. Yeah, Katie Holmes actually in that era, like the Ice Storm, she's really good too. I forget that like when she was young, she really had like she was electric. Um, I do because I think I think Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles were so perfectly casted as a couple. Like they have that like edgy look to them in a way. I I feel like that that was perfect. Like I yeah, I think Katie Holmes maybe Katie Holmes could have played Bianca, but I think with Dawson's Creek she was huge, and it was like. I don't know. Also, <laughs> when did she start dating Tom Cruise? Because that is weird. If she's playing this high school movie and she's literally dating, it wasn't ninety nine? I mean, come on. I, I would like Dude, to think it wasn't like it was pretty early on. I don't. I guess. I mean, I I mean, she, yeah, she was. Uh, she married. Okay, she married. Uh, she started dating Tom Cruise in two thousand five. Okay, six years later. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. I will so, say, I think. 
Hartnick could have played the mysterious dark thing a little bit better than Kutcher, but for me, you're not you're not gonna find a better cast uh yeah. casting than than I would he, love he in this alternate reality where they cast Hartnett. Where like if like no in the script he's canonically Australian so like Hartnett puts on the Australian accent just <laughs> you know what's funny when I was watching this um, I don't know why we keep talking about the Bunsen burner but him lighting cigs on the Bunsen burner was just so funny to me and when I'm watching this and they keep talking about like oh he sold his liver on the black market like he was in jail for a year like all these stories about him I thought he was going to put a frog on the Bunsen burner and eat it. Because that happens in Encino Man. Like Brendan Fraser's like lighting up a frog on the Bunsen burner, and then he starts eating it in Encino Man. I oh. literally like got my movies mixed up, and I was like, dude, the way they're talking about this guy, is this where the frog gets eaten? Like during biology class? I don't remember. So unfortunately, I got my movies mixed up, but both iconic Bunsen burner scenes. This now, is like the fourth, the fourth episode we've brought up Encino Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh He's not a frog guy. He's a duck guy. He eats everything but the beak and the feet. And then uh, Keegan goes up to him first time and he's like, so I had some great duck last night. (laughs) (laughs) They always do little chirps to him. Like when he's drinking at the biker bar, the the one guy, um, what's his name? Kirchner or whatever. He he says, uh, should you be drinking alcohol? Like with no liver and all? And I love how Heath Ledger just like looks at him. He doesn't say anything, but he kind of smirks. Like his facial acting in, in this movie is so good. So he, do we think that he, he planted? Do we think he's planning these stories around? That he uh, took a year off to do porn, that he didn't have a liver, so he, <laughs> he sold his liver for stereo, that he ate a full duck? Do we think he's planting them? Is it yeah, his is it his lab partner that doesn't talk? Yeah. <laughs> stories. No, dude, literally, what's the guy's name? Kirchner? What's the, his the guy, his buddy's name? JGL's buddy in this. What's his He's, name? Oh, uh, Michael Ekman, a.k.a. Kremholtz. Yeah, Kremholtz. I keep, what do I call him? Kirchner. Kremholtz. I was going to say, like, he he had a burn book like they had in Mean Girls. Like, he was literally just gossiping about everybody and just spreading it around. Down. Can I ask you a question about uh, about frogs? I feel like this was something that was taken from me, like a universal experience I never experienced. Not that I necessarily wanted it. Did you guys ever dissect frogs in high school? Yes, no. I did. It was incredible. I mean, that's, that makes me sound really weird, but like, <laughs> it was we did, The only thing we ever dissected was, was owl pellets, like the poop owl poop. We'd cut that open and find out what was inside. And we never got to do any frogs. Not that I would have been, I wouldn't have been about it. We did a frog. It was pretty wild. No, I I lit a couple cigs on the Bunsen burner, but I never got to cut anything open. There's yeah. also a classic uh, Saving Silverman uh, quote about Bunsen burners that I'm not going to say because it's not PG rated. But our <laughs> listeners who have seen Saving Silverman, you you may know. So I feel like the last thing we really got to get to here um, is the prom. So again, just. Shout out T-Pat. He sent me uh, a list of, he sent me an article that is titled 10 Things That I Hate Most About Teen Movies, where this guy just rips everything for teen movies. And number nine on this 10 things is musical acts that many casinos couldn't even afford. <laughs> uh, he He goes on to say, you know, 
a major act into your movie as the band at the high school dance kills any authenticity that you might actually be shooting at a high school dance. And then, you know, he goes on to talk about the mighty, mighty Boston's in uh, clueless things like that. But we definitely didn't have, you know, the local band that's playing club skunk come into uh, to my prom. I we probably had like, a, a dj that costs like 40 DJ. bucks yeah we're definitely a dj it's always dj but like also would not change that's if that's a problem you have in a movie objectively wrong i want the coolest sounding band i'm watching a movie i'm not here to see a bad band play i'm here to see some idealistic version of a prom where just the the production values is like makes no sense that's sick the band's killing it. The vibes are high. It's a time and place. It's very 90s. It all it goes back to a American Graffiti back in the day. Watch that movie and the, the high school band just killing it. And you're like, yeah, this is probably a professional band, but that's that's why we go to the movies. That's why I'm there. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, agreed. The, the music in this movie is amazing overall. Like, I don't know what's going on with those punk rock bands. Like, some of the songs are actually not bad. I kind of like them. Like, They're kind of like, sick. Yeah, cats get good taste, but Brady, I was trying to make a joke actually when you started uh recapping the beginning of the movie. I was starting to sing One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies. So it's been one like the start of the movie, you <laughs> kick it off with that is just so that got me going. That actually got me that put a smile on my face when the, yeah. that that's a great track to kick it off. But like actually you look at it, like the some of the like I, I wrote down some of the songs that got featured throughout this. I just love so much. Like you got Word Up by Cameo. You had some George Clinton going on. You had Push It by Salt and Peppa. Yeah. And then you had Cat dancing to Hypnotize like by Notorious B.I.G. There, there was so much good music going on in this. And then we had like the Cheap Trick cover to end it. I was like, man, this they're killing it with the music. This is probably the best music we've seen in a teen comedy for sure. And so the um the at the prom it's the letters to Cleo is playing and uh they play Cruel to Be Kind and that's like Cat's favorite band or whatever. That song's rocking, by the way. <laughs> the three guys that are like doing the synchronized dancing to it on stage, they <laughs> rock. But Ledger's like, I called in a favor to get like this person who's probably on tour to come to the prom he obviously he bought the guitar with the money so does he just know musicians like how's he calling in this favor he's deep in the seattle scene dude he knows <laughs> he, he knows the people that matter yeah he's a bit like matthew mcconaughey and days and confused like he's just got he's got the connections we don't know how old he is he's you know drinking beers like he's got you know it's just you just believe it yeah and then obviously would you ever would there be a girl worthy of you dressing up like will will shakespeare for like crumholtz does a hundred percent i love it dude <laughs> yeah crumholtz shows up and you're just like yeah that's the guy that's the it's, it's that moment where you're like i want i want the movie about him i want crumholtz to get his his lead role maybe maybe we're finally going to see him get like a really prominent uh, moment in oppenheimer I'm excited to see what he does for us there. There's definitely some 90s era fashion on display at the prom. Like Bianca's dress, I think, like the poofy, it's it's an awesome dress. And I asked my wife when we were watching, I was like, what what 
dress are you wearing? And she's like, I'm definitely going with the med- medieval times fit that Shakespeare and his his girl are wearing. Dude, that that I mean, and then I feel like with Joey Donner with the white tux, but like I think he's wearing a the white tux, but a black vest under it. Maybe <laughs> he's got a really really good look, and then literally probably one of my favorite if not my favorite quote from the entire movie is when bianca beats him up just punches him in the face and he just says shit bianca i'm shooting a nose spray at in the morning (laughs) (laughs) i just love it all right well then one more question would you in high school have serenaded your crush with the marching band in a stadium microphone and if so what song are you going with oh great question first of all i think i said it before it's one of the best scenes in comedic like teen comedy rom-com it that scene is just incredible i mean i think i i my gut instinct one i wouldn't have nowadays i could I, i i could maybe bust it out Back then, I wouldn't have the confidence to do it. But if I'm trying to woo the girl, I'm showing up with a classic. Romance. The Beach Boys Kokomo. If I come in there hot. <laughs> that's really people good. going. The band's playing like Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take you. That's the other thing is like, do you guys buy Patrick Verona as a big Frankie Valley guy? It plays. It's I, like it a, definitely plays. Maybe he was the, into the, the Lauren Hill uh, uh, cover <laughs> of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my favorite part of that entire scene is when he's running away from the cops and he slaps the one in the butt. <laughs> yeah, so good. I I would, I would, real classic. I think I would go Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. That I mean, that is the greatest romance song ever. If it works right, for Cruz, yeah, it works for you. I've gone. You lost. You've lost that loving feeling. I'm getting my inspiration from from Tom Cruise, but I think Unchained Melody is the better song for that moment. I, I mean, do you, do you guys remember? Uh, not another teen movie. The probably one of the best bits from that entire movie. The guy says, "You got to sing a song with her name in it." So he sings, "Jamie's got." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <so> <laughs> I'm gonna go. Uh, Too late to turn back now by the Cornelius Brothers. Uh, that takes a performance. That's not a, that's not an easy thing. I mean, Ledger showed us that it all takes a performance. Yeah, you, you know, you got to sacrifice yourself on the altar of love, as uh, as he's told at the lunch line, in which he promptly replies, "People can hear you. Don't say that shit to me." <laughs> like, <laughs> I, mean, I think. I mean, ultimately, the the movie all comes. I I alluded to it before. It all comes to head with the with the sonnet. The 10 things I hate about you poem she reads to the class. If you imagine you were in that class and you have not been keeping up with whatever's been going on, which is probably the majority of the class. They don't know any of this drama. This girl gets up. She starts reading her poem. You're like, yeah, that's pretty good. And then she gets to the end and you're just like, whoa, what, what did I miss? Time to go talk about it during lunch. Like what? It also like so they at the very beginning, Patrick busts into the classroom 
And he's like, what did I miss? And Kat says something about, you know, the men running whatever. And he's like, okay, good. And there's leaves. You forget that he's in that class. Like he's just like, he's, he's hearing the poem. He's in the corner, but like, I forgot because there's so many other scenes in that classroom where they don't show him. So like, yeah. forget he's, he's, he's been like in the outskirts the entire time. So like, if you're, yeah. here, if, you're feeling. if you're sitting there hearing that in the corner, you're just like, Oh, Oh no, this is not good. I would have been like, whoa, because she kills it. It's a good poem. <laughs> like, I literally think the poem makes the movie. It's so good. Uh, she just gets it, like, what I really? First take, by the way. It took one one take from Styles. Just going to say. Just putting that out. Talking about first takes, I was like, when uh, Joey like draws the penis on the guy's face, I was like, this is a one take thing. If you're using marker and doing that to somebody's face, like that's going to be there for a few days. So they better get this take right. So I guess shout out to those two for pulling that one off. Well, in some research, <laughs> I uh, I did see that they had to teach him how to draw a penis. He was not good at it. You can see him struggling a little bit. It kind of looks more like a dinosaur uh, <laughs> than a penis, but you know, he, he's, he's struggling. Uh, so yeah, just a little behind the scenes there, but yeah, I mean, if you're not getting your heartstrings pulled at when Kat delivers that, I hate that I don't hate you at all at the end of it. Oh my God. And then, a little bit. and then Brady, just the Riz factor you talked about, does Ledger have it? Oh my God. When the end happens and they're playing the little nice piano solo and, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, some asshole paid me to take out this girl, but I messed up and I fell for her. And she's like, you know, you can't just buy me a guitar. And he's like, yeah, but I figure there's always a bass, drums, and even maybe one day a tambourine. And like, <laughs> smiles, dude. Oh, my God. Like, no one delivers a line like that. Yeah. He found the only out, too. Credit to, like, Patrick Verona for being, like, the only way out of this is if I take the money and get, get her something. Because... <laughs> You'd never be able to explain yourself. <laughs> like if he was just like, yeah, let's like, like you can't give her the cash. And he, he, he showed up and gave her the perfect gift. So let's play a little, you know, we, we can't see the future. Does Verona follow her to Sarah Lawrence next year? No. no and it's perfect this way. Like, I, I mean, there are high school relationships that work out. They get married. Frankly, like most of them don't, especially if somebody's going across the country to go to college. So th this did not need a follow up. It's like, okay, that's great. They've been dating two weeks. They they haven't yeah. really spoken before. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. they get to get to know each other. That's yeah. <laughs> that's what they're about to do. Yeah. What about what about senior year for Cameron? Is he dating Bianca by graduation? I think JGO so. locked it in. That they're they're they're, they're, right. they're riding out high school. But he they're going to break so up. So much in effort. Yeah, they're going to break up too. But at least, they're, they but they're not. They're, I'm not saying they're getting married. They're riding it out until senior year. Uh, then maybe he goes to college. She's a senior, so he's a freshman. They try to make it work, and JGL, you know, gets a little loose at a college party, makes a mistake. Uh, she well, finds out about it. Maybe she gets a little, maybe she starts, maybe there's a cute, cute you know, the quarterback trying to make some moves. She forgets about JGL. I think it's like a mutual. They both probably slip up at the same time and they both have to break the news to each other. 
Yeah, I mean, I think for sure, I think Bianca's going to go to University of Washington because that's what her dad wants. And it's so I good know. when he's being a Husky like me. <laughs> he makes some noise that's supposed to be like a Husky noise. I don't even know what it is. It's so funny. But yeah, unless JGL ends up going to uh, University of Washington with Bianca, I don't see them making it. It's yeah. kind of wild that the dad was the only one because they made apparently they made like a TV show that lasted a whole season and he's the only person that carried over. I mean, what a pick though. He's phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> just shout out to him when he's doing those crunches, that little crunch machine, and he just goes seven. He's like, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. And then speaking of the slapstick, when he shoots the exercise band and it breaks the neighbor's window, it's so good. All right. So, Brady, do you have a companion piece? Yeah. It's time for the double feature. Um, this one, uh, I don't know if you've seen this one. Uh, I think I may have, maybe you have. It's called Strange Brew. Have you guys seen oh this? My. Yes, I've seen. What the hell kind of double feature is this? <laughs> well, no, no, no. There's let, let me explain myself. <laughs> Strange Brew, 1983. Um, Rick Moranis <laughs> and and uh, Dave Thomas playing their characters from SCTV. Classic, just the the most Canadian movie of all time about some guys who run out of beer and they try to go to the, the brewery to get some more beer because they think they're owed it. It is loosely based on Hamlet. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's the tie. Me. It's a comedy based on Shakespeare. I think it's one of the funnier movies ever made. <laughs> like their performances are so good. <laughs> like uh, the whole any if you've ever seen like a cliche canadian like oh yeah um i just went straight minnesota um basically the, the cliche was created here what what what's the word canadians say sorry uh I'm sorry uh, a a, a yeah. anytime the a uh, that that's i feel like this this kind of put that in the popular culture um one of the great posters of all time movie posters too but uh, yeah, Max von Sydow's in it. Uh, it's just a really solid, like broad comedy, and it's I think it's hilarious that it's based off Hamlet. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I I love when movies like that they sneak it through. Um, but yeah, so I think that's uh, another comedy inspired by Shakespeare. Definitely worth uh, your time if you're looking for a nice little uh, laugh out loud comedy. So awesome. you're you're the connection there is that they're both Shakespeare influenced. Shakespeare comedies. With, with being so uh, into Al Pacino, I'm surprised you didn't say The Merchant of Venice. <laughs> I was actively looking for movies that you might not have realized. Like, you know, it's not like the title of the Shakespeare play. That's yeah, what I was, yeah. that was the tie I was going for. And that's why I was between this and my own private Idaho. And I ultimately decided to go with the comedy. Yeah. I thought that was a better uh, double feature. I got to circle back to something real quick. So Brady, when you saw this, were you not convinced he had the star power and was the guy? I did not see the future. I thought he's really solid in the movie. I didn't see, as John said, Brando. And I think that Heath Ledger is one of the one of the greats, one of his generation. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, you wish you we could have gotten more of him. Um, because you could tell he was just getting started, but I think he's like very solid. I don't know if I was like 
he's electricity off the screen. I mean, you can tell he's got the charisma for days. I'll be honest, maybe it's the hair. I know I'm a I, I, I we didn't really get, get go too far into the hair corner, but I think some scenes it looks fantastic. Other scenes it throws me off so much that that took me out of it for a moment. But I think he's like really fantastic. I think he's I, I don't want to like say like I would have recasted him. I think he's very great. I don't necessarily see the the guy that's going to be killing it and broke back. You know what I mean? Like where he's just yeah. giving a performance of a lifetime in a movie like that. Well, I mean, he rips off 1999 was 10 Things I Hate About You. 2000 was The Patriot, which like iconic, like I, I keep using the word iconic. Again, you're saying, I don't know if his performance in The Patriot yeah, is like. Like in terms I, of star power, he's like, he pulls at your heartstrings when he dies in that movie. And it's like, dude, he's awesome in that movie. And then A Knight's Tale, which I like. Love that movie so much. I feel I, like that, that's his star turn. My double feature for this. For and, me, that's his star turn, right? I feel like that's the moment where you see that's a movie star. That's that's the the key. Like you guys see that here. I see that in A Night's Tale. So good in A Night's Tale. But I mean, he has. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Obviously, fantastic career. Um, and he's really good as the Joker. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, which. Credit for Nolan, though, like who would have thought he, he's really he kills it. Um, but yeah, rest in peace. I feel rest like, peace. yeah, for real. Brady, you want to introduce the new listeners to our rating segment? Okay, so uh, the way we do it here, it's we rank the movies not the goat, one of the goats, or the goat. The way I view it, I view uh, one of the goats means. Three and a half stars, very solid, fantastic movie. Goat means it's a four-star movie. Not one of the goats, just means it's not that level. So it could be a three-star movie, which a three-star movie is still a great movie, just not necessarily on that uh, level of those other movies. Brian, you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to go with the safe rating, which is one of the goats. I really thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think that... It's it does have a lot of the cliche high school comedy scenes and things. The article that Travis sent us, the ten things I hate about high school movies. Um, a lot of the things and ten things I hate about you are occurring here. However, I do think you know, although it's predictable at times and there are cliches, it's so well written and even like the corny slapstick comedy, like the way that they do it, just kills me. Like something as simple as the PE teacher getting shot with the bow and arrow in the butt. And he's like yelling on the side. Well, while Bianca has no idea just talking to Joey. And it's like, it makes me laugh every time, even though it's predictable. And I don't, that to me, I don't know what it is. Like a lot of movies you see that are kind of predictable. They're not funny. And they just, even though you know, it's going to happen, it's good. That, I guess I'll put it that way in a, in a nice little bow, but um, absolutely love it. I think the Shakespeare influence is really cool how they did that. I think the performances are outstanding. Uh, we've already talked at length about Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles. Um, yeah, I, I really feel like this is one of the best high school comedies. It's interesting to try to put this in a genre. It's a bit of a rom-com. It's a bit of a high school comedy. I think it's more a high school comedy than a rom-com probably, even though it's about romance. Um, so I would compare it to other movies and I'm like going down the list of other high school comedies I love. I think 
it's up there in like my top 10 and that's why I'm giving it one of the goats I would say or maybe even my top five but like movies like Fast Times like Super Bad um, I feel like those are a little bit higher up for me um, maybe even like Lady Bird a more recent comedy or movie it's kind of similar um, in a way that I really like too. shout out to Greta Gerwig with Barbie coming out I guess but yeah I mean it's 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 amazing I think it's smarter than people give it credit for even though it's cliche I guess I'll I'll leave it at that Brady um I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm on a similar page as Brian here I'm gonna go one of the goats and I think it's funny I think it was like a really solid movie it was a three-star movie for me until she reads the poem and that her her delivery of it the writing of the poem like the actual poem itself and just when she gets to it like like i you know it just blows me away um every time i see it and that just takes it to another level that's what that's what puts it in that one of the goat strata for me i think it's like you're saying it's it's, it's smarter than it seems on the surface um it's a kind of comedy i feel like we don't see enough anymore these days um perhaps because these kind of high school romantic comedies I feel probably are uh, relegated to Netflix. Now, you know, you're not seeing a lot of studio releases of these nowadays. So maybe there are people making movies like this and we're just not the audience that's getting, getting them directed to us. But yeah, I think it's just a yeah, really solid script, solid direction, obviously an electric cast. Um, and I just think, yeah, it doesn't disappoint. And, and it's smart. It's, you know, like that tight 90, you get in, you get out. You know, you kind of like, you know, nowadays movies like to little stretch it a little bit. Um, I also just think maybe because you don't see a lot of comedies in general. Comedies are in general shorter. You don't they don't make comedies. But yeah, I think it's a solid one of the goats. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it there uh, in, the, in the rafters. Excuse me. Um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll finish this off here before Brian tells us what what we got next week. I uh, I'm going to go with the goat. It's. One of my top three romantic comedies ever. It's one of my top three high school movies ever. There's so much going on. The subtle jokes, the slapstick humor, things like that. They're they're so funny to me. The performances, we 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 really gushed over Ledger. I gushed over Styles. Um uh JGL, obviously, Crumholtz. The secondary people were Gabrielle Union and Andrew Keegan, the dad, the counselor, the the teacher. Uh, everybody is so perfect in their role. It makes you want to be in that high school. Like, I, you know, it's just that that's where I wanted to go to school after, you know, watching this. And just, it makes my high school look so lame. And overall, I just, you know, I can't say enough good things about it. Every time I watch it, I laugh out loud at certain parts. And I know that it's coming because I had two older sisters who introduced me to this back in the day. And then it had a run on Freeform or TBS or whatever. It'd be on TV. So I've seen it a bunch of times and I always know what's going to happen. But certain lines just get me going every single time. The, The musical number is phenomenal you know, the one week to kick it off. And then, you know, when Bianca's walking down the hallway and it's like, I can't get enough of you baby by smash mouth. It's just like, so <laughs> perfect. Like it's so 1999 with the outfits that people are wearing. It's, 
it's it's to me it is a perfect high school comedy and that's why it is the goat and um yeah we'll kick it to brian what do we have in store for episode 11 so john you you liked the fashion so i guess you you liked your sketchers and did you love your prada bag well i love my sketchers because i don't have a prada backpack <laughs> oh there you go Oh, that I, I don't know how that line didn't come up, but uh, yeah, sorry. Anyways, um, going to switch it up. I would say this is a complete 180 from 10 Things I Hate About You, but that's okay. Uh, next week, we're going to discuss Interstellar, the Christopher Nolan, I guess maybe you would call it a classic now. Um, we th- I think we all agree that it's, a, it's an underappreciated Nolan and we're excited to discuss it. Um, also with Oppenheimer coming out um, thought it might be timely so looking forward to that one all right thanks again everybody for listening in Uh, be sure to download rate subscribe and and tune into our socials and we'll see you next week wait before you pause it let me try to sing uh, the opening of uh, Kokomo again and see if I can do it a little better okay (laughs) all right Mm -hmm. okay Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, I want to take you. To Bermuda, Bahama, come on, pretty mama. Yeah, use that take. Use that take. (laughs) All right. All right, dude, sick. I thought that was good.